Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. Usually we're every fortnight, but um, we, we had to miss a week. Life got in the way. I was a bit ill. Matt had to do some stuff. But we're back, aren't we, Matt? How are you doing? Yes, we are back and I'm, uh, I'm doing OK. I know before we went live, I was telling you about some, uh, you know, both some life stuff, life curveballs that get thrown your way. Plus, of course, with Milan just continuously disappointing me towards the tail end of this season. Uh, it's life's been a little bit rough, but we carry on and uh, hopefully things shake out the way we want them to. Yeah, I think it really compounds any life miseries you have when you support a team like Arsenal or Milan this season. Um, so it's it's not amazing, but uh, you've got to look at the positive sometimes. But we're not alone today. We are joined by Jordan Luke McDonald, who is uh, who is with us today. How are you doing, man? I'm pretty good, guys. How are you? Yeah, really good. Uh, we're really glad to have you on board. Why don't you tell uh, the audience a bit more about yourself and, and what you do? Yeah, so I've been uh, doing sort of a variety of different uh, football content over the years. Uh, so the past seven years or so, I've done uh, different content, radio, television, uh, writing predominantly, but also branched out into the, into the multimedia as well. Uh, recently, I've been doing too much on the, on the writing front just because of uh, university exams and coursework and stuff like that. But uh, hopefully... Uh, moving forward into the future over the summer and stuff, get back into the writing scene. But it's nice to be back on the podcast scene as well. I'm not, I'm not doing a podcast for, for quite a while now. Um, I've done a bit of radio stuff, but not not too much podcasting. So nice to be back on that scene as well. Well, we're really happy to have you on. You're still a pretty young man. Like you're still at uni and you've you've kind of accomplished quite a lot. So what what were the, the hurdles kind of coming into this space at such a young age? And um, how have you managed to kind of achieve what you have so far? I guess it's kind of the old adage of, of journalism of just kind of sticking to your guns really and just pushing through. You know, you, you'll get rejections here and there, um, but when you when you get your chance in and you get your foot in the door, wherever it is, whether it's a, a big outlet or sort of a smaller up and coming uh, website or something like that, you just got to take your chance and um, it's kind of just building on on experience. So you, you know, I started off with some smaller websites who who you know weren't necessarily well known. Um, some more, and started off my own blog as well, and local radio. And then once you've sort of got sort of those footholds, you can you can build from there. You can you know contact some bigger outlets and say you know I've written for for this website for for a few months now, and you know you kind of just attune. You kind of pick up your own style, um, and then you kind of go from there. Really, just it's it's kind of you know everyone says it in journalism, but you kind of just have to keep plowing on. Um, you'll get rejected um, a lot uh, for different things, but when you do get your chance and when you and when you do get your moment to sort of uh you know apply somewhere you got you got to take it and and just sort of keep plowing on really yeah it's just not having that fear of re- rejection yeah. right it's just uh continuing to to uh, like you know contribute where you can and then move up that ladder and not be scared I, I think my ceo always says at work he always says if you don't ask you don't get so i think uh, for anyone kind of like looking to get in this space unless you ask people you know to be on your podcast to write for them to write for you whatever it is you're never going to get that but um you're you're here to talk to us about predominantly manchester city but then we're going to talk a bit more about um kind of big transfer for moves potentially over the summer, including the likes of Pogba and Hazard. So what have you made of Manchester City's season so far? I know that's a very broad question and one that you may have been asked quite a few times, but what have, you, what have your thoughts been so far? Yeah, it's been an interesting season, obviously, with the highs of last season and kind of running away with the league almost by the end of it. Um, you know, getting those 100 points and breaking all the records, it was kind of always going to be hard to top that, I think. Um, obviously, the disappointment of, of going out of the Champions League to Spurs, who are now in the final, is obviously a big disappointment. And I'm sure that, that everyone at City, players and, and coaching staff and Guardiola especially, will be pushing for that Champions League. But, you know, this season is, is kind of a strange one, really. I think a lot of City fans will be saying, you know, they, they could have done, they could have achieved more. They could have, you know, gone for that quadruple, which is, you know, unprecedented in, in England. But then at the same time, you know, you've got to look at the fact that, you know, they broke all those records last season. They've kept up the level. Um, from from that last season, they've, they've uh, you know gonna get you know potentially ninety eight points over the course of this season again. So you know going for those high ninety points, one hundred ninety eight points over two seasons is is nothing to sort of be disappointed with. And then you know obviously the potential of winning that domestic treble, which in in itself is a massive achievement. So it's kind of been one of those seasons where City fans will you know, especially the City fans who have been around for for years and years, will say you know what an absolute incredible achievement. And I think the Champions League is just that final piece of the puzzle, really, that City will be working towards. Um, 
looking to try and compete on that front as well as as the domestic uh, competitions. Yeah, and I think the prospect of back-to-back Premier League titles is obviously a big one, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. No, you know, no team's done that for for quite a while now. Um, so it's it's going to be something that you know Guardiola said that it's an, it's a big achievement in itself just to retain that title. So I think yeah, definitely that that's that, that's a big factor. I could say the 198 points over two seasons is you know is is, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, it hasn't happened since uh, you know the 0708 and then 0809 um, uh, season where I think United won three in a row actually back in the um sir alex ferguson days but I, I it's it's been an interesting season hasn't it uh, and matt from an outsider's point of view what have you made of kind of manchester city and and uh pep guardiola's team obviously they've been fantastic really since uh you know even that first year where so you could you clearly see that you know despite we i think they finished third in this in pep guardiola's first season in charge of city you started laying the groundwork, the foundation for uh, a possible uh, uh, Premier League dynasty, if you will. Obviously, they're still going on. They had a great season last year, um, as Jordan alluded to. Um, and there's in the contention right now for a domestic treble, which is um, certainly something that you know City fans and Pep Guardiola and everyone involved in Manchester City will be proud of. But obviously, it's quite clear when you appoint a guy like Pep Guardiola with his, his CV and you spend all that money on the certain players – it's quite clear the the main objective right now is going to be the Champions League. And that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, Jordan, is, you know, obviously we can talk about, well, who do they need to add, who they need to uh, improve on in certain areas of their other squad. But I, I want to ask you something. What, what do you think was the, the, the ultimate factor that kind of saw them bow out in the Champions League a little bit earlier than expected? Because I think when you look at the, the team that they had in place off the season they had last year, they were a team destined for the Champions League uh, final, at least at a minimum. Obviously, seeing a team like Liverpool get in there, obviously, and then, of course, um, as me and uh, Petrit were talking about with Tottenham in there, probably the most surprising team uh, to make it to a Champions League final, in my opinion. I think, you know, they kind of kind of rode the wave. Uh, you know, they're still battling some things in the, in the Premier League, but overall, they have had a great season. So I just want to get your, your thoughts on what's, beside players, what has been one of the things that you've feel that has led to City um, not meeting their objectives in the Champions League? Yeah, it's an interesting one, really. Obviously, like you say, with all the money that's been spent and, and Guardiola with his CV and, and sort of his managerial prowess of, of coming in and trying to win that Champions League, it's, it's kind of a strange one. I think I think a big factor um, that obviously you have to take into account is is just the amount of games that City have got. Um, you know, it's no, it's no, um, no secret that they've had an incredible amount of fixtures this season and last season when they're trying to compete on all four fronts. Uh, obviously, Spurs and Liverpool um, knocked out of the of the domestic competitions, the domestic like cups um, quite early on. So, you know, City have, have won the League Cup and in the FA Cup final. Um, and I think that's the thing with, with City is that Guardiola, you know, since he's come in, he's, he's, he's always said that he wants to be competing on all the four fronts. Uh, Liverpool have, you know, with the, with the squad depth that they've got, um, you know the quality they've got; they, they can definitely compete on on the Champions League and the Premier League fronts. But whether the the depth they've got can can stretch across the the three or four competitions is is sort of more more debatable. So I think just that front really of of City trying to to win everything every season. Um, you know, there was talk last season of a quadruple as well, and uh, obviously they won the two trophies. Essentially, this season improving that and moving up to the three. Um, I think it's just kind of that factor of having you know such an incredible amount of games over the competitions and and you, you have to you have to sort of admit as well from a, from a city fan perspective that liverpool have got a manager who's you know he's done an incredible job of of um in sort of european competition obviously got to the final last year and i think it's just a case of a bit of experience as well in terms of um the city players obviously city squad you know you know liverpool squad is, is isn't you know um, much sort of massively different but City squad in terms of the club and, and the players they've got in terms of the Champions League experience getting to those later rounds um, sort of that, that, that must come into a factor as well obviously Liverpool fans are, are used to competing on on the European front or City fans um, aren't um, and then obviously the, the final thing as well is just the City fans attitude towards the Champions League Guardiola has mentioned it numerous times now that um, perhaps we need to move on from, from the booing of the anthem and 
this sort of negative attitude towards you, for which which you know you can it's maybe it's going maybe it's coming across into the players and into their mindsets. Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting point. The kind of mentality uh, maybe issue, but I mean, in in hindsight, do you think there's anything that Guardiola and City could have done to maybe strengthen the team to a greater extent? Over over the last transfer window, maybe in January as well. I mean, uh, Mares, if correct me if I'm wrong, was was maybe the only kind of mainstay signing that that City made, and even for him in the second half of the season, he's not really played too often. Yeah, I think that's the thing as well. I think um, you know, in the in the past two title wins, well, the first two title wins for City under uh, Mancini and Pellegrini, there was this kind of uh lethargic attitude towards transfers um they, they failed to kind of make any big recruitments they failed to develop on and improve the squad that they had and it meant that other teams were you know enabled them to catch up to city and and you know obviously city didn't retain the titles in those two seasons um this this season felt different i think because of the achievements of last season um because of the squad that city have already assembled and obviously um just the, the way that City were playing last year, it kind of felt like there were maybe, you know, one or two players could come in, um, obviously Yaya Torre uh, leaving and still not being replaced yet. So that's, you know, there's been links, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about to the defensive midfield players. But I think in terms of the summer, Mahrez, you could argue, was a necessary signing. But, you know, if Mahrez doesn't come in, does Sterling step up to the level he's played at this season? Does Bernardo Silva step up to the level he's played at this season? Um, you know, it's kind of one of those signings where uh, it improves the squad depth, it, incru- it improves the sort of attitude of the players around him because they need to sort of can keep up that consistent level of, you know, top, top um, level to, to to be in the team. And I think as well, you know, it's, it's no secret that, you know, I think Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea would have all loved to have signed Mahrez. And I think it was a case of, do we bring in Mahrez as a, as a squad player who can, you know, consistently bring in goals and assists? You know, he's done it. He's, he's won the, the team, uh, the player of the season. He's won the league. Um, you know, he's consistently getting 10 goals and assists uh, each season. You know, it's going to improve our squad. It's going to make our depth and our mentality better. But also it's going to mean that those teams who are also going for the title around us can't, you know, bring that, that quality player in. I, th- I think, yeah, it's an interesting one really with the, with the signings. I think perhaps they could have maybe brought in one or two other players. but. Um, I think if, if we do retain the title, um, you know, as, as many people are expecting us to now in the position that we're in with one game to go, um, I think you probably look back and say, you know, it was the right thing to do with the players that were available last summer. I think the players that are available this summer, there's a, there's a lot more sort of availability of players. Um, and then, you know, going for that Champions League, as I've mentioned, so you can look to those players to bring in this summer to, uh, to strengthen the squad a bit more. You know, Jordan, I just want to t- touch on something real quick before uh, and we probably going to talk about that defensive midfield role that you uh, that you mentioned as well. But I, I want to get your thoughts on, because um, the, there was a lot of discussion around Jorginho going to City for a while during last summer. And of course, he went to Chelsea once Maurizio Tsari uh, took that job. So, I mean, I, I, what do you, where do you think City need to go in terms of that role specifically? Because obviously, they that's some uh, a role that uh, any any Pep Guardiola team really has a, a big importance on. So, are there any specific players, whether it be in the Premier League, whether it be abroad, uh, someone that maybe catches your eye uh, that you feel can kind of fill in at that role and um, provide some a little bit more stability at the base for for City and and really help them um you know make that next step uh, in the Champions League and have that um, that depth across the board as you uh mentioned that they need to have in order to be a little bit more uh, sustainable over a long season with a lot of uh matches. Well I mean I mean there was one point obviously uh Deong um which would have been an absolute dream signing I think with the with the you know Guardiola Barcelona Ajax connection um the way that Ajax are playing this season you know you know, arguably a bit unlucky to go out um, to Tottenham. Obviously, Tottenham played really well and, and managed to progress. But I think, you know, he's been one of those core players for Ajax this season who've, you know, really helped them progress to those those latter stages. Uh, obviously, going to Barcelona, um, which is a real shame, I think, for City. I think they were really interested in signing him and bringing him into that into that role. There's been a few links as well, obviously. Um, Rodri of Atletico Madrid and this talk that potentially Otamendi could be used as some kind of counterweight in, an, in any deal for him. Um, I think that the, the real problem is, is that, especially over the past couple of seasons, there's been a real lack of players who 
you'd say would fit into that role for City who are available um, and not going to cost ridiculous amounts of money or, or who aren't, you know, aging and get onto the sort of tail end of the career. You know, you look at Busquets, someone like that, obviously very difficult to take him away from Barcelona. Um, but he's also, you know, getting onto um, towards, towards the tail end of his career now. So it's kind of one of those ones where City, I think, have just kind of bided the time a bit um, tried to bring in someone who they can sort of mould and sort of... Uh, adapt into that role. Uh, you look at the players that, that Guardiola's brought in, um, Laporte, Stones, uh, Bernardo Silva, you know, young players, Addison, people like that who have come in. Um, you know, some of them are taking longer to adapt than others, like Sane took a season to, to sort of get into the groove, whereas uh, sort of like Addison, you know, just got straight into the team and was playing sort of very, very high standard and adapted really quickly. Um, but for that, for that defensive mid- midfield role, I think it's a case of You've got to be careful because you don't want to go out and spend mega money on, on someone who, who isn't right for the job. Um, and, you know, the players who are right for the job, there's a very limited amount of those players. Uh, I think De Jong, as I said, would have been the perfect player. Um, obviously, Barcelona have snapped him up uh, pretty quickly, which is no surprise given, you know, his quality. So it's kind of hard, really, to just look, look out there. I'm sure City have got sort of two or three names down on a piece of paper somewhere of, of players they want to bring in. Um, but, you know, it's kind of making sure that that player is, is going to be around for you know for the next five, six, seven years. Is, is there anyone in, in the Premier League that's kind of caught your eye, uh, Jordan Luke, that, that might be able to make that step up? I saw a lot of people raving about Wilfred and Didi's performance, for example, at the Etihad. And I, I was really thoroughly impressed as a guy that I, I think has been really good for the last season and a half and someone who's impressed me every time Arsenal play against Leicester. But is it is it maybe a case of maybe not buying a superstar as you mentioned and and buying someone who's maybe kind of a couple tiers below uh, the the quality that city eventually need but maybe thinking right this guy uh, can play kind of uh, a second fiddle role kind of to fernandinho and then eventually take over yeah it's an interesting one as well whether the player that city ultimately do recruit this summer uh, you would expect them to bring in a defensive midfield player whether they're going to come in straight away and, and replace Fernandinho, because he's going to be, what, 33, 34. Um, you know, in the summer, it's going to be a case of, you know, does City want to bring in someone who's going to step <laughs> straight into the first team? Because, as you say, Ndidi as well is, is one of the players who, who I'm City fans are talking about after the Leicester game. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that he was uh, the right player. I think he'd suit someone like Arsenal or um, Chelsea or someone like that a bit better. Um, I mean, I mean, Chowdhury as well for me in that Leicester game was was absolutely incredible. Um, but again, whether he's someone who would come in and and sort of fill that role, I'm not too sure. I think there was a hope for Douglas Louise who's gone out on loan, uh, but he's sort of run into contract um, visa issues and and things like that. So it's looking unlikely that he's going to be the the player. Um, I think, like I said, there's only there's only so many players in the world who who would say would fit into that role. I think um, Jorginho was one of them, as you say. Uh, he's just I've had a bit of a tricky start at Chelsea, um, but you know there's kind of hope there that he'll sort of adapt and get and get into the the English game. I think Kante as well would be would be a very good signing, but whether he would sort of leave and, and move to City is is a very you know different story. So it's it's kind of like I say, it's difficult really to sort of see. A player right now who you'd say you know they definitely um, come in because Fernandinho you know I, I, you know even though he's getting old he's been so consistent and not only consistent but every single season especially under Guardiola he just seemed to improve and improve um, so like I say it just depends whether they're going to bring in someone younger um, and sort of sort of allow them to shadow Fernandinho almost and, and maybe rotate every now and again and. You know, playing sort of half the games, and then the next season when Fernandinho eventually moves on, you you can, you know, you've you've, you've bedded that player in, or whether they just come in straight away and and step up, it's kind of um, an interesting one to sort of think about. But as I say, there's not anyone who kind of immediately jumps out. Oh, this player is a definite definite player. I think De Jong was that player, but obviously, like I say, ended up going to Barcelona, so it's a bit of a shame there. But yeah, I, I don't know really who it's going to be. It's an interesting one to sort of follow because there's been rumours of Rodri at Atletico, um, all sorts of different rumours of different players. And then, you know, it comes out that uh, no City are interested in them or the, the the price is too high. So, like I say, just have to wait and see really for that for that player, that, that pivotal player. 
I would yeah. I, honestly, I think for for City, if uh, there's been you know loose reports around Italy, uh, and sources that I don't feel that are re- definitely reliable, but um, it's worth mentioning. Obviously, the link between uh, Trippier from Tottenham going to Napoli for some reason they seem to like him so so much. Um, I know many people are mixed on him, uh, especially with the performance he had in that second leg against Ajax. He looked kind of uh, shaky. Had some moments where he looked okay, but. Um, it looks like Napoli do really like him. They've had their own fullback uh, issues over the past couple of years with injuries to uh, Gulam, um, who was a, a Premier League, uh, getting some Premier League interest last summer, uh, really before his injury, shall I say. Um, but there's also reports that uh, Napoli, to lower the price for Trippier, would maybe be willing to include a guy like Diawaro, who is a defensive midfielder, is 21 years old. Um, he's been a, high, a, a top prospect for a while in Italy, really since his Bologna days. So that's someone that for me, I think if City are looking to go the younger route where maybe they're not going to have a guy immediately come in, they're spending 60, 50 to 60 on this uh, million on this position, because obviously, as you mentioned, they have Fernandino, who's still playing at a high level, getting up there in age, of course. But if you can get a guy like Diawara on the cheap at 21 years old, who is not really a destroyer, he's not a regista, but he's just a good, solid holding defensive midfielder. Um, that can uh, tackle, but he can also make the passes and everything that you need from that position. Um, that's someone that I think that would fit in really well at City. I think Pep Guardiola would be able to mold him in the way he wants to without having that immediate pressure for him to come in and take the keys at that at the base of that midfield. So um, that's just something I wanted to add to it because obviously I like seeing that crossover between um, players in Serie A that could possibly be uh, headed to uh, Premier League. And we saw two, obviously, last summer with Torreira and Jorginho. So I just wanted to add that in there for our listeners who uh, are maybe looking to get a little bit more out of Dora, who Dior is and whether or not I think that uh, link between uh, Tottenham and Napoli has um, some legs. Yeah, I think um, almost telepathic there, Matt. I was going to ask you if there was anyone in Serie A who could fit the mold. I think I think Diawara yeah, at 21 years old. He's played 13 games in the Serie A for for under Ancelotti this year. Um, you know they've been going with a 4-4-2, so they've been playing Zielinski and Fabio Ruiz, who have been both fantastic, and um, going with more like a, a Insigne and Callejon a lot in those wide areas. So there really isn't a, a position in that 4-4-2 uh, for a, a, a deep uh, line playmaker, someone like you know, we saw in, in past years with Sarri and, and Jorginho at the 4-3-3. So I, I anticipate that he's going to be leaving Napoli this summer. And um, it just really depends on if City think he's a fit. For me, I think there's value there, plenty of value. I don't think it'll cost them a ton. And um, you get a guy who's under control, who has a lot of t- untapped potential in there for Pep Guardiola to play around with and, and eventually mold him into maybe the successor for Fernandinho because uh, Diawara, like I said, he's a player I've written extensively about and a player I uh, definitely like to see more get consistent minutes. And I think if he's able to go and do, uh, join a club like City or even Tottenham, having that Premier League uh, interest and those Premier League eyes on him regularly uh, will benefit his career for sure. Yeah, I think as well, you mentioned earlier about how this that role is so pivotal for City. I think when there's links to, um, you know, forward players or wing-backs or central defenders, this kind of, you know, City have got an idea of what sort of player they want. Um, you know, they want, they want, they want uh, wing-backs who can, you know, push up high, provide assists, but also, you know, can get back and, you know, come into midfield and play in the sort of central areas and be very good on the ball, but also, you know, be able to play, you know, great crosses into the box for you know, the likes of Sterling and Sane and, and Aguero to get on the end of. And and with central defenders, you know, they want, you know, they want people who can defend, obviously, but they, you know, the, the focus predominantly for City has been on, you know, those ball-playing defenders who can, you know, play play through the lines and sort of, you know, counter the press of the enemy team and uh, of, of the opposition team and, you know, get through those the presses and, um you know, play that really, you know, Guardiola football. I think with a defensive midfield player, I think the, the thing there is is that there's so many different criteria um, especially now you've seen uh, Guardiola with the likes of Busquets and Fernandinho, you know these these really sort of sort of niche players in a way that very few other players are like them. And um, they've they've got the defensive side to the game. You know they can defend, they can put a tackle in. They, they you know they're not afraid of a challenge. But then going forward as well, they you know they can play a great pass. They can score goals. They can contribute uh, offensively as well. Um, you know very intelligent players on and off the ball. Uh, work very hard for the team, you know, you know, like any Guardiola player does, and I think that's the thing that that really sets that that role apart. And as you mentioned before, it's such a pivotal role for Guardiola because 
you, you need all of these different strings to your bow. You, you know, it's it's um, very difficult to find that sort of player. Um, and I think that's why it has been sort of a, a longer process for, for replacing the likes of Yaya Torre and now Fernandinho, uh, because, you know, we've, we've seen Gundogan play in, in that deep role, but his defensive side of his game, you know, understandably, you know, he's a central midfielder um, by nature. He's, he's not as... He's not as solid as the likes of Fernandinho and, and Busquets and players like that who, who Guardiola sort of used to in that role. And, and I think that's sort of something that City will be will be thinking about because, you know, in that role, we've seen Fernandinho play almost as a centre-back this season against Arsenal um, in, in, that, in that game, which was a bit of a surprise for some. But, you know, for City fans, it was a case of maybe a bit of an initial surprise to see him on the team sheet in that role. But then, you know, he, you, know you understand that he has got that defensive capability, even though he's not the tallest player. Um, defensively, very sound. Um, you know, an incredible amount of tackles and, and ground covered. So it's kind of finding those different strings, really, where, you know, um, I think City, you know, City were linked to Pogba at one point um, as, as a replacement for Yatore. I think that was that was always sort of, um, that was sort of, you know, well known to be City's intention. Obviously, I ended up going back to United. But I think if, if it had been a Fernandinho replacement, whether he had that defensive element to his game, um, you know, which is which has become under question this season, especially at United. Is, is another matter uh, going forward. Brilliant, um, you know, offensively and, and playing freely and expressing himself, but defensive side to his game um, has been has been questioned. So I think it's a case of, like I said, that role is so important. You need you need all these different factors that um, that's I think that's why it's taken so long for City to to bring someone in in that role. Definitely, and I think a guy that's been linked to pretty much every big club in the world so far, and we haven't even really got into transfer frenzy. Uh, season yeah have we is uh, Dombele from Lyon the guy that played against City over two legs in the group stages in the Champions League this season and he's been linked to uh, a lot of people looking for that kind of number six and I, I think this might be just the um, the slight naivety from from the English press side of things and thinking he is a specialist defensive midfielder but even someone like him he's someone who's really only played in defensive midfield as a two or has played either side of a defensive midfielder in like that more eight position. He's someone who's definitely more box to box than defensive. So I think um, it, it's been really interesting to see someone like that. Maybe, I mean, he's still young. Could Guardiola come and, and bring someone like that in and uh, mold him into more that specialist CDM? I'm not too sure, but I think he's someone for certain, even if he doesn't go to City as like that number six, he would still improve their midfield vastly overall. Oh, definitely. I think in that in that Leon game as well, especially when he, uh, I went to the game at the Etihad and he was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, he was dominating the midfield. You know, he was, he kind of seemed like that player who City could, you know, it, was, it kind of had that element to it of the Monaco game, um, Guardiola's first season where Benjamin Mendy and Bernardo Silva had, you know, absolutely incredible games over the two legs and, and City went out and, you know, splashed the cash on, on those two guys. Um, who, you know, Mendy's been played by injury, but, you know, when he has played and, and Bernardo Silva, especially this season, you can really see that, you know, just from those two games in, in the Champions League, those glimpses that City had, um, you know, the City, the City fans could see that, you know, these were two really quality players. I think Ndombele was, was one of those players from Leon who... Uh, when they came to the Etihad um, and, and won the game, he was, um, you know, incredible. He was, um, he, he kind of seemed to be that player, um, as you say, who could be sort of potentially moulded into that role because he was, um, you know, very good on the ball, technical, um, playing some some really nice passes, but then defensively as well, very solid and, and stopping City from, from really creating too many sort of big chances. So I think it was... Um, a standout performance from him, especially at the Etihad, and you know whether whether City have sort of kept tabs on him. Um, you know, he's, he's been, like you say, he's been linked to sort of all, all sorts of clubs: Juventus, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. You know, basically every big club in, in Europe he's been linked to. Um, no surprise, really, given you know given his quality. So whether he ends up at City or not is, is a different story. But I think he's definitely someone who could uh, who could come in in that, in that role. Interesting. But uh, I think we've talked about that kind of holding midfield role for quite a long time now. Is there any other areas that Manchester City are looking to improve? I mean, there were, there's were there been links to Harry Maguire, very recently Ben Chilwell as well. And no doubt the, the English press have kind of 
gotten hot on those topics after the great performance from Leicester at the Etihad. But I mean, is there any other positions, for example, Aguero's kind of coming to the, the latter years of his career and also his contract, Gabriel Jesus, it's, he's still not really had that kind of lengthy run as that number nine, especially with um, Guardiola sometimes looking to go with Sterling up top. Are there any other areas, including centre-back? I think you mentioned Otamendi maybe being made as a make-weight. And again, he's 31 now-ish. So centre-half, uh, up top, full-back. What, what are the other key areas that City need to look at? I think... Um... The fullbacks, obviously, when Guardiola came in, there's this massive emphasis put on, on those positions. Uh, all the City's fullbacks, when, when Guardiola came in, were, you know, 30-plus um, in terms of age uh, and went out and signed uh, Kyle Walker, Danilo and Benjamin Mendy. Uh, obviously, just the one left-back with Danilo kind of being that potential player on either side um, of the defence. Mendy's injury problems have been, you know, unfortunate and whether you know, how, how much longer he has because of his, because of those injuries is is um is of interest really because I think left back as you mentioned uh Chilwell um has been linked. Um I don't know, it's what Chilwell's one of those players as well. It's kind of like Chilwell and Maguire, as you mentioned, they're the two sort of big sort of Leicester's sort of most highly valued players if you you know if you were gonna go out and, and cherry pick from, from Leicester. Uh, they'd be the two players probably that they'd slap the biggest price tags on. But whether Chilwell's that kind of that Guardiola player, um, I think remains to be seen, really. He's kind of had this season this year where he's been, you know, very good in some spells and then like Trippier as well, really, um, in terms of his consistency. I think there's been a couple of moments really where I've seen him, where I thought, wow, he's, you know, he's a really good fullback. And then other times where I thought, you know, w- would he be good enough for City, especially going for the Champions League, as we've mentioned. I think that left back area is somewhere that that City will be looking to to get um, someone in. Um, obviously, Zinchenko and Delph have, have filled in there and, and done good jobs to to various extents. But bringing in someone who's, who's going to be fit consistently and being able to play in that in that Guardiola system. I think on the other side as well, Danilo. There's been talk of Danilo potentially uh, wanting an exit uh, from City. So I think Juan Basaka would be the perfect player to bring in there. Um, Kyle Walker again. Recently, been very excellent. At the beginning of the season, especially had some some shaky spells. Um, so I think that's that's probably an area as well where City are looking to to invest. And it seems crazy given that they just spent, you know, mega money on on those three fullbacks. Um, but it's just a bit of unfortunate, really, with with Mendy, um, with the injury scenario and Kyle Walker and Danilo. You know, obviously having sort of inconsistent spells. And yeah, with with the forward line, as you say, with with Aguero. I think it was interesting, really, because after Guardiola's first season, I was expecting Aguero to be to be sold, you know, in his prime years. Um, I thought he might have been sold off to Real Madrid or someone like that. Um, obviously, with them looking for some sort of striker, but no, he stuck around. He's upped his game again, like Fernandinho has. He's you know he stepped up another level um, this season. It's been unfortunate for Jesus, really, because especially in his first season, he was seeming like a really breakout player. Um, sort of had a bit more of a relaxed period recently with, with less minutes, but this been links to um, Felix from uh, Benfica and other players like that, you know, sort of attacking players who could potentially fill in that in that mould in, in the future. Um, so it'd be interesting one to see really whether they do go out and sign a striker because obviously Jesus will want more minutes if, if Aguero is to step down in terms of game time. Um, and then the full-backs, as, as, as I've said, and the uh, defensive midfield player. I think with centre back as well, it's an interesting one. With company um, could potentially get an extension. It remains to be seen if he's going to get an extension. Not to Mendy, looks like he's going to be out the door. So that leaves you know John Stones and, and Laporte as the top two first choice um, first team players. But if you are going to be wanting to compete on those forefronts again, then you're going to need to bring in someone. So whether it's Maguire, Delict, or Myax or or someone else, they they do need that. So I've said that ball playing central defender. Um, if it's going to be anyone coming in who who is comfortable on the ball and you know good in possession. Yeah, I think there's certainly a few people that you've mentioned there, but we're going to zoom out a little bit more. And as we're talking about transfers, we're going to go a bit broader than Manchester City. Uh, Hazard and Pogba, the, the two main ones that could be the exports from the Premier League. Um, you know, John Luke, you 
probably know a lot of Manchester-based journalists who who cover United extensively. Uh, are the noises that he could definitely go to to Real Madrid uh, a, a real possibility? I mean, there's no smoke without fire, but um, these reports seem to be heating up. Even though Mina Raiola, which I'm sure Matt will will speak about in a minute, has has just been banned by the uh, uh, I, I forgot what body it was. Yeah, I think I mean they'll they'll find some way, you know, some some backdoor. Uh, I'm sure, as always the case with, with football transfers, that they'll find some kind of way. Um, I think with Pogba, it's an interesting one. You know, obviously he came back to United uh, from Juventus after you know incredible spell over in in the Syria. I think that he kind of it was almost like a a point. He he wanted to kind of prove a point really. Come back to come back to United. Come back to England. Show that he can. You know, play up to the the standards of English football and play for a top club. I think it's been it's been an interesting one. Obviously, this season he was he was named in the team of the year, which was you know questioned by many, especially given that you know even his own players didn't acknowledge him in in the United awards. It went to Luke Shaw, which you know is kind of symptom of United season. So it's no surprise really that Pogba wants to leave United, um, potentially go back, you know, go to Real Madrid. Um, I think it's you know interesting as well, given. You know, is is it a case of United's season's been lacklustre and therefore Pogba's had a bit of an inconsistent season, or is is it players like Pogba's inconsistent seasons who have can contributed to United's lacklustre season? It's, it's it's a bit of a a cyclical thing. I think it's a bit of both, really. Obviously, you've seen Sanchez, who's gone to United and, and not really performed at all. Um, but I think Pogba's one of those players who United know that if you know if, if he does want to leave, as it, as it seems he does, from sort of his attitude and demeanour. Uh, in in recent games, would suggest that potentially he wants to leave. Um, I think he's one of those players as well that you know if he does want to leave, and you know the agent or you know whoever behind the scenes is going to try and try and make that deal happen. Then I think it'll be a case of you know United whether they can get a, get a decent amount of money for him and and they'll take that and then invest it just as Liverpool did with with the money for Coutinho. Um, I think that's that, that that's probably going to be the, the case there. Yeah, I think it, it's totally dependent as well. Uh, whoever comes in as kind of United sporting director, along with um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they're going to have to work out whether or not they truly think Paul Pogba is kind of a rotten apple in the squad, because I think that's kind of the image that's being portrayed by the media. Obviously, we don't know if that's kind of resemblant of what's actually happening behind the scenes. But it's going to be really interesting to watch this transfer saga play out. No doubt it's going to be one that's going to be covered uh, on the press all over everywhere. And especially, Matt, I don't know if you, you want to touch on just before we move on to Eden Hazard, um, Mina Raiola and his kind of ban by, was it was it an Italian authority? Yeah, so it was pretty much what it is. He was banned by the, the Fiji Chi um, and the governing bodies there. But it looks like his FIFA kind of extended that. They kind of kind of doubled down on that and said, like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go along with what their uh, their ruling was. And it looks like it's going to be a couple a couple month ban for him and his uh, his brother, I believe. Um, it looks as though that they really didn't give any reasoning for the ban. But, you know, Reno, Mina Raiola obviously tweeted something out yesterday from his official Twitter account, which he typically doesn't do unless, of course, it's like some big news when uh, the, the whole Pogba thing came out about him moving it, of course, with Donnarumma saying, uh, you know, whatever it is with, with the whole uh, situation a couple summers ago with Milan. But um, it's going to be interesting to monitor that because obviously he, he's his name is attached to uh, many high-profile players. Obviously, Balotelli is one. I think his six-month contract with Marseille is up. So he's going to possibly be looking for uh, a contract elsewhere after having a good season in France with them. Uh, Delict, as you guys just mentioned, is uh, probably the most sought-after central young central defender in the game right now. Pogba, another one. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Uh, my guess is that Mino is going to try tooth and nail to get that overruled. So uh, obviously he can make his money through brokering deals this summer. But um, yeah, I, I get you know, getting back to Hazard here for a moment. You know, it, it looks as though Hazard he look he's given everything he possibly can to Chelsea once he moved over there uh, many years ago from Lille as a, as a youngster. But I think it's at that point in time where, and he even touched upon it, we even talked about it in previous episodes, where he he understands that, you know, at, at his age, like, 
that he wants to play for the big clubs. He wants to play for the Real Madrid's of the world. That he wants to be competing for top honors every year. And you can't really blame him for that. I think he, he you know, he did win the uh, many trophies, many awards individually and collectively with Chelsea. But he's at that age where this is his career move. He's in his prime. He's coming off a sensational season right now. Um, something along the lines, maybe 17, 18 goals, 13, 14 assists, which um, he's pretty much contributed to half of Chelsea Chelsea's goals the entire season, which is astonishing. Uh, but for me, it looks as though he's trying to He's trying to leave on good terms with Chelsea. I don't think he wants to force a move because then it's gonna make it's gonna kind of leave it get a leave a black eye on the club or a scar on his, his the way he left. I think he was kind of trying to put him off easy and say, "Look, I, I, we have a year left on the contract. I, I'm not going to extend. Sell me. You guys can get the money that you guys need. Obviously, with the transfer ban still intact, they're not gonna be able to spend that much. But at least he's not gonna walk for free. So I, I think Hazard's trying to you know." put it in a way where it's not going to hurt as bad, but of course it's always going to be very hurtful, right? Because he's their best player. Um, you know, you, you don't want to see a player like him leave when you're obviously going to be in the champions league next year. And when you have a transfer ban. So it's a really delicate situation for Chelsea Hazard and Maurizio Sarri and everyone involved at the club. But for me, I think it's a formality. I, I just feel that with the way that Real Madrid season has gone, um, with, the, with the coaching changes, of course, getting Lopetegui in like a day before Spain played their first World Cup game um, and then getting Zidane back, which looks like they're going to give him a blank check this summer. Uh, I expect them to make some Galactico type signings. And as a, you guys just touched on with Pogba, I could see him being one of them uh, and then maybe Hazard being uh, another one as well. So uh, I definitely anticipate Real Madrid being very, very active and, um, you know, trying to uh, be one of the more... Uh, highly uh, more spending teams uh when once the window opens yeah i think um the hazard situation is certainly interesting i think it's a shame if he does leave the premier league as, as someone who watches the premier league a lot obviously as an arsenal fan i'll be happy that, that chelsea are weakened significantly because he is for me by far the best player in the premier league um but it, it is going to be interesting. I mean, with this transfer ban, it, there's there's so many kind of hurdles that have kind of popped up for both of these sagas. You know, Mina Rola, that you very eloquently there described that situation, Matt, and, and how that could impact not just Paul Pogba, but the likes of Delict. But if these guys do want to move, they'll, as Jordan Luke, you mentioned, they will find a way. When there's a will, there was a way. I mean, a player like Paul Pogba, he's not going to be short of kind of agents helping him broker a deal to whatever team he wants to go to. I'm sure uh, with Chelsea's ban, Hazard, if he forces, if he wants to leave, then Chelsea aren't really going to leave a hundred million pounds on the table, especially as they've already kind of spent uh, 60 million on um, uh, Pulisic, who's, who was bought in January to, to come over in the summer as kind of maybe a, you know, a fallback plan just in case Hazard did leave. But, uh, John Luke, I want to get your impression on kind of, is it going to be a big loss for the Premier League, even though you're a City fan, potentially Hazard leaving? I was just going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised really that, um, yeah, I think that with Hazard and Pogba, you know, two, you know, world-class players, um, Pogba, you know, this, you know, especially this season, been a bit one of, the, one of those ones where it's, you know, easy world-class, is in your world-class, but I think it's kind of a case of, to see a, a a player's true quality, you kind of have to, you know, take um, take a sort of a, a back seat and just say, you know, can this player play for you know the best clubs in the world? And you know, I think the answer of Pogba and Hazard both most definitely is yes. Um, so it's, it's it will be, it will be a massive loss, I think. Uh, you know, in terms of especially for Chelsea with Hazard, I think as you said there with the, with the transfer ban, you know, you know, Pulisic is is coming in, and that's going to be kind of. His replacement, but in terms of you know that you look at the squad that Chelsea have got, you know Sarri's come in, um, trying to sort of bring this project, and it's kind of kind of got emulations, um, you know, kind of echoes the the Guardiola first season where, uh, you know, people kind of knew that you know this was 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 a top manager who's managed you know big big teams in the past, but it's going to take a bit of time for for this for this sort of play style to get get adapted to you know for the coach to adapt to the league for the players to adapt to the coach. Um, I think with Hazard leaving, it's a massive loss because Hazard's been, you know, so central for, for everything that Chelsea have done. Um, you know, in terms of, of winning winning trophies, he's won, um, you know, individual awards as, as you mentioned. There, I think it's a bit of a shame as well that he wasn't named in that team of the season. I'm not saying it's going to make his 
decision decision you know any different you know in terms of oh that that suddenly flipped a switch oh I'm going to leave now because I'm not in the team of the season but I think it does sort of you know add to that kind of that sort of feel of you know he he's done so much he's you know he's contributed goals and assists every single season even when Chelsea have you know had poor seasons he's still been you know providing um I think it's a case of now you know he's done that he's had his spell in England and you know, if Real Madrid come call, then it's kind of difficult for any player to say no to that, especially, you know, we've seen with Pogba that the Zidane connection, I'm sure, will play a part in, in any transfer there. So I think it's kind of hard to, you know, reject Real Madrid, especially when they're kind of going through this phase now of rebuilding um, after the, you know, the, the, the Champions League spell they had this season. I think it's a case of, you know, rebuilding now. And um, there's a few key, key positions where they'll want to recruit central midfield is obviously one of them. Um, you know, with Bale potentially leaving that, that 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 left wing spot for Hazard is you know looking quite nice. So I think it's um will be a massive shame for the Premier League as well to lose these players. And I think you know it's, it seems odd to say it, but I think it's interesting as well for from a City fan perspective. You know, United have been you know at that height for so long. I mean, there was a, there was a radio program the other day that that I follow where a Huddersfield fan had phoned in and said they felt sorry for United. <laughs> And it's it's almost silly to suggest that you feel sorry for United given you know the, the length of their dominance in, in the Premier League, but it is a real shame that you know these these teams who have got great players are losing out to to other clubs because they can't keep hold of them. You know, you look at City and Liverpool now, um, you know even Tottenham, you know with like the likes of Harry Kane, Eriksson, and stuff like that, who they've managed to keep hold of these these top players for the seasons now after they've sort of broke through and had incredible years. Um, you know, they're the sort of three teams in England now, you'd say, where they can keep hold of their best players if they really want to. Um, and the likes of Chelsea United are gonna be gonna be losing them to to other clubs. I don't know if that's gonna affect kind of the hunger for the, the other teams such as Liverpool and City, because uh they're gonna obviously probably have less competition. I mean, if you think about Chelsea losing their best player, their talisman, and then also not really being able to strengthen um United losing probably their best player um Tottenham probably not having that much money to spend same as Arsenal it's going to be really interesting to see if this becomes kind of a a top two and then the four below them more uh kind of uh longer term uh, just because of the way the clubs are set up but I just wanted to ask both of you guys apart from those two are you looking forward to any other big transfer sagas Matt potentially in in Italy or any other countries that you've been following any other players I think Napoli is going to have a uh, a very intriguing summer I think for many reasons obviously um Koulibaly has been linked to Manchester United I believe maybe loosely to Manchester City Jordan could probably touch upon that if that's has any type of legs there but overall Koulibaly is one of the most most sought after central defenders in in a market where there's uh there's not many that are top class uh there's probably a bracket of maybe three to four that are probably put in that upper echelon uh Van Dijk, Chiellini, Varane and um Koulibaly as, as for the top four, four of the top five, six that come to mind. And then you also have Alan, who uh, was very tightly linked to a PSG move in January when they were trying to kind of uh, pick up the pieces of, to some certain things with their Champions League run, right? You know, obviously they had a disappointing uh, campaign themselves. So those are the two things that I think two players, shall I say, at Napoli that really want to keep an eye on. I think Koulibaly will stay. Uh, the, the asking price from him is going to be uh, outrageous. And he is in that 27, 28-year-old uh, 28 uh, gap uh, in terms of his age. So who knows if there's a club that's going to match De Laurentiis's uh, asking price of around 150 or 120, which is insane. Um, but then you also look at certain areas of that team where this is a team that's been built for many years or the past three, four years to compete for a, a league title and, and to be more of a threat in, in Europe. And when you see what Napoli has been able to do, obviously there, there are signs of them being a very dangerous team. Um, you know, we, someone touched upon. I think it was a time football TV. We used that. We had Marco on uh, maybe four or five episodes ago, and it and they talked about how you know if it wasn't for um, you know Inter and Napoli in, in the way that they handled certain games in, in their group stages. 
Tottenham were very close tonight in making it out of their group and Liverpool as well. So like there's a lot of things you can look at in certain matches. But overall, when you look at the skeleton of Napoli, that the pieces are there for them to build on. Uh, there's reports that uh, they are very hell-bent on acquiring uh, Irving Chucky Lozano, of course, from PSV, uh, Mexican international, 23 years old, a very, very good player with a lot of uh, potential upside, had a great World Cup for Mexico as well. And, you know, that's the type of addition that they need to make. If they can find a way to keep Alan for another year, um, keep Koulibaly, add on to that team that they have right now, I, I really do feel that they can compete next year with uh, Juventus for a title. Obviously, they have Ronaldo, so they're always going to be the favorites. But you're starting to see that Juve are starting to lose some pieces of the old guard. They're starting to kind of break down. They got to spend. They got to uh, address certain areas of their team, and they have their own managerial situation as well. So it's going to be a fascinating summer for Napoli for sure. They don't really typically spend a lot, but as we alluded to, if they can find a way to maybe sell a guy like Diwara or maybe a guy like Adam Unas, who's a, a young uh, winger who is not playing a lot, but when he has, he has looked effective. If they can find a way to scrap up some money and get some key players to add on what they already have, I do think that Napoli could be a force to be reckoned with. Um, for the for the title next year and hopefully make a little bit of a deeper run in uh, the Champions League because we uh, we all know they're capable of doing it but just for whatever reason they just can't get over that hump. Yeah, I think um, Napoli have certainly been a quite interesting team. You mentioned there that kind of third and second between Liverpool, and Napoli, PSG was was such a scintillating group in the Champions League and how different could this Champions League and Europa League runs uh, respectively have been if if that had those two have switched places and also the inter-Tottenham thing. Uh, Jordan, is there anyone else that you're paying attention to in terms of kind of a, a transfer saga that you think could be a big one over the summer? I mean, obviously not on the same level, not on the same level as uh, the likes of Hazard and Pogba, but I think Declan Rice has been someone who's been linked to, you know, most pretty much every single team in the top six of, of the Premier League, um, City included at, at various points. I think he's someone who's had a breakthrough season this year. He's kind of one of those players where, um, again, he's had some some really really good spells, and then some other times where you again sort of think, you know, would he be good enough for uh, the sort of the top clubs um, going for the the big trophies? But I think definitely he's someone to keep an eye on this summer. Um, you know, it's, it seems likely that he will leave um, with all the transfer speculation and the players that um, the teams that he's been linked to. I think United as well, um, obviously with Pogba potentially leaving. Um, and they're looking to sort of rebuild. Herrera obviously announced today that he's going to be leaving as well at the end of the season. And they'll be definitely be looking to to rebuild that midfield. Um, and he kind of seems to be one of those players where he'll just he just kind of has that kind of united um, kind of feel about him. He feels like he'd just kind of be a player who would just kind of fit in at United. Um, I think David Luiz as well would have been someone. Obviously, he's just signed a new contract given Chelsea's transfer ban. Um, who you might have expected if, if Chelsea had the opportunity to go out and buy someone like Kula Bali from Napoli, um, potentially David Luiz would have been the fall guy. Um, and, you know, he could have gone to United as well. I could have, I could easily have seen him playing for United. So I think, yeah, definitely De Declan Rice is someone who, who, you know, maybe not one of the standout names in terms of, you know, the players that, ju that have just been listed from the likes of Napoli and Ajax and things like that. I think Ajax as well is obviously a big one. Um, I mean, I think they're going to be the kind of moniker from a couple of seasons ago where everyone's after um, their players. Obviously, De Jong, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, is obviously going to Barcelona. De Ligt, he's incredible, you know, 19-year-old. Um, I think he'll, I think City really, really should be trying to pursue him. Um, you mentioned Maguire earlier, but, you know, for someone who's seven years or younger than Maguire, captain in Ajax, to potentially, you know, obviously to the semi-finals of the Champions League, playing such a high level. I think he's this, you know, the standout player for Ajax, which is a lot really, given the players they've got, and you know, they've got some really, really talented players coming through there. Um, so that I think Ajax, just in general as a club, is someone to keep an eye on. Um, you mentioned Napoli there as well, about how um, about Matthew, about how Napoli could potentially, you know, be pushing on for for the Champions League and things like that with the players they've got, but. As you mentioned, you know, they got some really talented players, Diawara, Kula Bali, you know, Mertens, Insigne. You know, we've got some really, really class players who I'm sure that top clubs around Europe will be will be looking at and trying to pinch from, from Napoli as well. 
Yeah, I think Ajax is the one that everyone's kind of looking at right now. And Napoli, certainly, I think Atalanta, another one who have kind of really overperformed. Um, there are certainly some clubs, I mean, Leicester, we've talked about so many of their players that, that could get kind of picked off if the right offers come around. Declan Rice is a really interesting one. And I think this summer, for some reason, I've got the feeling that we're going to see a lot of Premier League to Premier League transfers. Obviously, we saw, you know, Mares, and now there's been links with uh, the likes of Ryan Fraser, Ayosi Perez, quite a few of these players, like Declan Rice, of course, Philippe Anderson, a lot of these players kind of mid to lower table who who could move. Yeah, it's uh, interesting as well whether they move between, um, you know, how many of those players are going to make us up to the top sort of top three or four clubs. Um, City and Liverpool, obviously, they're going to be looking to bring in, you know, real, real top class players. But then, you know, at the same time, Liverpool have, They've brought in some players from from lower clubs, Robertson, uh, Shakiri. You know they they've not they've not been afraid to go to those to those lower clubs and bring in players from from there to uh, to strengthen and sort of it. Klopp's done a great job of, imp- of improving those guys. Um, Van Dijk as well, obviously, was incredible at, at Celtic and Southampton. Stepped up to a completely another level. Liverpool. Um, but I'd say Ayuso Perez has had a great season this year. Quite a few of the Wolves players as well. I think Wolves will. I think, we'll, I think with Wolves, I think they'll they'll manage to keep hold of most of their big players. Maybe bring in a couple more names, and then you know I can see them pushing on next season as well for for uh, for European places. To be honest with you, the, the players they've got and um, the way they're playing is is, is incredible. Yeah, definitely. I think Ruben Neves is another one that we we maybe could have talked about for that City number six role because he's had a phenomenal season. He's kind of nearly in that Frankie de Jong role where it's technically very astute, gets around the pitch very well. Uh, it's you know, passes his pass range is is ridiculous. His shooting ability is phenomenal. Probably a bit maybe more of a goal threat than than De Jong going forward. Um, but it is going to be really interesting. I think Premier League has been kind of the the talk of this season, considering the Champions League and Europa League uh, positions, and also the title race has been so scintillating. It's going to be really interesting to see kind of how many of these inter Premier League transfers happen. But I think. Jordan, Luke, before you leave us, I think you're going to do a little player profile for us, if you, if you will, because I think there is so much talent in the City Academy, and I think there's there's one guy in particular you think could make a step up into uh, Pep Guardiola's plans next season. Yes, yeah, sure. I've seen, obviously, Phil Foden uh, this year, who's really stepped up and been around the first team um, and break into that, you know, scored the, scored the winning goal against Tottenham. Uh, big goal. Uh, you know, many people were surprised that he started. Um in that game, but obviously it paid dividends for, for Guardiola. I think the, the player that I'm going to sort of cover here, and you know, we've talked about City in terms of fullbacks and strikers and um, and defensive midfield players, but I think central defence is obviously an area you've touched on in terms of someone they could bring in, um, whether it's Maguire or Delict or something like that. Um, and I think they're, you know, definitely players at City we're looking at in terms of Vincent Company replacements. But obviously I mentioned earlier that Ottomendi could be could be leaving. I think um, Eric Garcia um, in the in the academy has been. Uh, one of the sort of standout players for City, uh, especially this season. Obviously, came in from Barcelona a couple of years ago, um, from from Guardiola's former club, and he's you know he's he's played um, three games in the League Cup. Uh, he played so he played against Leicester um, in the quarterfinals and then Burton in the semi-finals over the two legs. Uh, played the full ninety minutes in all three games um, and looked very very comfortable. He's been in and around the first team in terms of training, Guardiola has, um, you know, done that with quite a few of the young players, especially in the academy. Phil Foden was one of them, um, who he sort of had in and around the first team. And I think the thing as well with with, with Guardiola is that you learn so much from just training with the first team, being around those players. You know, not necessarily playing, you know, you know every game, or you know, not not even necessarily being in the first team squad, but just having that experience. Um, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, coming from Barcelona, uh, from their academy, uh, when he was think, when, he, when he was sixteen, I think City signed him. So he's eighteen now. As I said, he's played. He's only played um, three games for City in the first team, but in the academy level, he's he's been a sort of a standout player. Um, so I think he's definitely someone who could come in to uh, to replace Otamendi. Very similar player, not necessarily the, the tallest player or the most physical central defender, but in terms of his his comfort, his um, comfort on the ball, his ability to bring it out from the back to play those passes, um, he's definitely someone that Guardiola will, will have kept his eye on uh, throughout his time with the academy, and obviously he's brought him into the first team for for training and things like that. So he's definitely someone who should be keeping an eye on. Um, 
with City linked to central defenders, I think if City only, if you know, if company doesn't sign a new contract, or even if he does and City bring in um, a replacement for Otamendi uh, this summer, in terms of a central defender, um, don't necessarily read it as a, as a replacement for Otamendi. Um, read it as a replacement for, for Vincent Company because Eric Garcia could definitely be that um, player that Otamendi was last season in terms of his quality. Um, you know, in, in a kind of similar vein to the way that, you know, any replacement, any central midfielder at City signed this summer could very much be a Yaya Toure replacement in terms of a delayed replacement. I think Eric Garcia could be that that delayed replacement for uh, for Nicolas Otamendi in the half of the defence. Yeah, I think really interesting there. Like, how highly rated is he can, compared to, you know, the likes of Phil Foden and Robbie Matondo, obviously, who who left Manchester City to uh, Schalke in January. I think he was really highly rated and highly coveted. How highly rated is Eric Garcia in, in, within the kind of City camp? Yeah, just from following um, a couple of people uh, in terms of who people I know who follow the academy a lot more closely than I do, um, there's this real sense that he's you know, a very, very top player. Um, and, you know, as I said, he, he played with the first team in the pre-season, um, which many people were kind of a bit surprised with, um, especially given the fact that Jaden Sancho, obviously, he was, you know, in that contract saga and ended up going to Borussia Dortmund, who's had an exceptional season. I think City have really got an eye for whether it's, you know, homegrown, promoted uh, from the academy, you know, who like, like Phil Foden, who's been, you know, a City fan and, and sort of raised and stuff in Manchester, or whether it's people who have been brought in, you know, 16, 17-year-old players from abroad or from other English clubs. Um, you know, we've seen that with the likes of Kochi and Acho in the past, unfortunately didn't make it at City. Um, but, you know, when he broke through, it was a case of, you know, City have really got an eye for those players um, from other academies, whether it be uh, in England or abroad, um, who can come in and you know, no, not not every player can can make it at the level at City, um, and you know they might end up going to other clubs, wherever it be uh, Championship clubs or you know teams abroad, whether it's on loan or permanent. But Eric Garcia definitely, from from what I've seen this season, especially in those cup games where he played against, especially in the Leicester game as well, he just sort of you know against against Premier League opposition, a good side, um, and sort of seemed to slot in. As if he was just, you know, as if he'd been in the first team for the past couple of seasons. I think it's certainly really impressive how these players are kind of just slotting into Pep Guardiola's um, system so seamlessly, and it's kind of hats off to him, uh, considering how how what kind of environment he's kind of created so that these young players can come in and out the side, keeping them hungry. You know, the likes of Phil Foden has scored important goals, and I think he's gonna continue to do so especially in those positions that maybe they can't find the right guy whether that's not center half left back for example or maybe in the forward positions uh but maybe not so considering Matondo and Brahim Diaz have now left but it, it, on the flip side if it doesn't work out then as you mentioned they can be sold on and and used to kind of balance the books to some extent especially with FFP yeah probably becoming more of a more of a factor that the further we go in, in into these seasons it's kind of testament as well to the to the youth setup as well obviously City's youth setup is you know, even before Guardiola came in, this the setup at the academy level was already beginning to sort of show those signs of, of the way that Guardiola would inevitably, inevitably come in and play, um, and it's kind of just bedding those foundations so that you know when you got the young, you know, the very very young players, you know, like the under twelves and thirteens and sort of really young academy players who were playing, you know, very very technical football, you wouldn't necessarily expect, especially looking at City from five or ten years ago. Um, you would just not have expected the academy to be at that level and um, competing and playing that football. I think the thing as well, as uh, of course, is that you know, as I said, not not every academy player is going to make it at City or even necessarily make it at the top level. But when you do find someone like Phil Foden or Eric Garcia, or you know, it, you know, unfortunately left now, but Jaden Sancho or someone like that who has got that special something about them, um, it's 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 worth it because they come in, um, they know the setup, they know the manager, they know. The way that the clubs run, and it's just that extra special um, feeling of you know having that youth player who you kind of developed yourself and you brought through the ranks and see him in the first team is kind of very rewarding. And we also, like I say, it trickles down as well. Um, you have clubs uh, who come in and and take sort of the the leftover parts. Um, 
you know, and and, and you know, for example, Kieran Trippier uh, was at City, ended up going to numerous clubs, went to Burnley on loan, uh, went to a couple of other teams, ended up at Tottenham. So, kind of, you know, it, it does it does balance itself out. You know, if a player doesn't make it at your team, they'll very much likely to make it at somewhere else, whether it be a, a lower club or you know one of your rivals. Um, sort of the the quality in the in the academy does sort of trickle down uh, into the the rest of the, the footballing pyramid. Well, thanks very much, man. Uh, thanks very much for your profile and thanks very much for being on the show. I think that's all we've got time for. We've gone just over an hour. We always say, me and Matt, that we want to keep it as tight as possible, but we always ramble on. There's always something to talk about. But where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's just Barry Jordan Luke. Um, that's just, yeah, my byline just on Twitter. That's just my Twitter handle. So if you want to uh, follow me on there, as I say, we'll hopefully be writing a bit more um stuff over the summer so yeah keep tuned over there for some updates on that sort of front awesome thank you very much for coming on man and uh matt where can uh, the listeners find out about you you guys can find me on twitter at matt underscore santangelo uh my writing my reading my written work there uh any memes any uh side projects i get myself into during the summer transfer window um you'll be notified there and uh like always thank you for the support yeah, thank you very much for, for joining me, as you always do, man. And uh, you can find me at Pet Berisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. And you can find us at State of Play Pod. Uh, if you guys want to hit us up for any, like, you know, collaboration or anything, just stateofplay uh, at gmail.com, or you can just DM one of us uh, or DM the Twitter account. Uh, thanks very much for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoy doing whatever you're doing whilst you're listening to the show.